welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality. I'm Sydney DeLorean, here with Scott McNulty. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Fantastic. Um, we're having a really good time. Oh yeah, I'm glad you're here. Uh, so, like, was it like a month ago? You sent me a video about <laughs> yes. avoidant attachment style, which I'd never heard of any of this, and then you just said, I'm not saying that you have... <laughs> And avoid an attachment style, but you definitely don't not have an avoid. Somehow you yeah. phrase it like. Yeah, I was like really worried about offending you, but I I never heard of it either, and I just this stumbled into my YouTube feed this video, and I watched it, and I was like, this is a hundred percent my friend Sydney, <laughs> like a hundred percent. Um, so uh, we, it turns out it's a thing. Um trying to find a good list of examples um yeah and you can take a quiz which we did right like i took one and yeah you and took we it. both yeah. had it i have like regular avoidant attachment you had a whisper of anxious avoidant i think it was yeah or fearful fearful avoidant oh so i am uh, fearful of relationships um and avoid them and i, I mean it, it basically described me to a t as well like when, when i read up on that well, I mean, ever since I've known you, the minute you've been in a bit of a relationship, mm. you immediately feel smothered. Yes. Which is exactly what I do. Yeah, and I want to get out of it, and I keep, I try to find a way to get out of it, and uh, and I usually end up being the bad guy, and I feel terrible about it. So. Yeah, but it just well, that's the thing is like I feel sorry. Anyone who subscribes to the Patreon for this show knows that <laughs> I just feel very sorry for my boyfriend who loves me so much. He's and heck of a nice guy. <laughs> he is an, um, he is like the perfect nice guy. He is definitely what most people would consider marriage material. And I'm always like, stop smothering me. Yeah. Or like he'll try to do something for me and I'll be like, don't worry about myself. Or don't worry about me. Worry about yourself. Like I'm so <laughs> not, I'm not a gem. Um, I know everyone thinks I'm a gem. But uh, well, you and I have that personality style where people just like us automatically yeah. because we're, uh, I don't know, what, I don't, uh, charming? What are we? I mean, well, just... we're charming and warm and personable, but both of us find being that way to be exhausting, so we like to be alone. Yeah, you got to go home alone and recharge. Yeah. yeah. I can't do that all 24-7. No uh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, it's, I want to be a nice person, obviously, but, like, the, the way that I am in public, it does exhaust me and then I want to be alone. And so yeah. relationships are often difficult for me just because being in a relationship involves having someone in your private life. Yes. And I'm very comfortable with people in my public life. Yeah. Um, I'm very comfortable interacting with people uh, in a professional setting if they're customers or students or whatever, but having somebody in my space, in my mm. home, in whatever, is very difficult for me, and I feel smothered very easily. Um, Same Z's. And then, okay, so let's look up what avoidant attachment is. Um, okay. Uh, God, it would help if I had pulled anything up beforehand. Let me get to avoidant. Okay. Well, I mean, half the fun of this podcast is listening to us, you know, fumble for the, the correct link. Yeah. And kill time. Well, people filler. don't... They like the filler. If they wanted to learn something, they'd subscribe to a real podcast and not um, the... This, this is for one. entertainment purposes this is only. That's why it's categorized as entertainment. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think we're very entertaining. 
Okay, so psych central. What's an avoidant attachment style? Avoidant or dismissive avoidant or anxious avoidant are all words for the same insecure attachment style, which a lot of people think that people of avoidant attachment styles are assholes, but it mm. turns out that we're just not comfortable being vulnerable around others. Yes. Um, and so, like, for example, when my friend killed herself and my friend reached out to me to be like, hey, like, we're worried about you, like, what can we do, whatever, my reaction was not, oh, this person cares about me. It was, I was angry because I felt insulted. Like, what, you think I can't handle my shit? Like I'm, Oh wow. <laughs> I'm yeah. Like, and I, I understood that my reaction was inappropriate. I'm intelligent enough to know that, but that mm. was my emotional internal reaction to somebody expressing concern for me mm. is like, you think I can't do it on my own? Um, cause we're not avoidant attachment. People aren't good at being vulnerable around others. Um, okay. So what is it? It's defined by failures to build long-term relationships with others due to an inability to engage in physical and emotional intimacy. Um, how it develops. In childhood, you may have had strict or emotionally distant and absent caregivers. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Your caregivers may have left you to fend for yourself, expected you to be independent, reprimanded you for depending on them, rejected you when expressing your needs or emotions, hmm. been slow to respond to your basic needs. Some avoidant producing parents are outright neglectful, but others are simply busy, slightly disinterested, <laughs> and more concerned with things like grades, chores, and or manners than feelings, hopes, dreams, or fears. As a result, um, these children may learn to adopt a strong sense of independence so they don't have to rely on anyone else for care or support. Well, we were both both raised by semi-single moms. Yes. Yes. <laughs> who were very self-involved. Yes. And so I think that's like part of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, multiple divorces for me. I mean, mine was my... just the two. Yeah. But I did for years because my mom's second marriage was so bad. For years, her and I shared a bedroom. Hmm. And I would hold her while she cried herself to sleep. She wouldn't sleep in the master with her husband. Hmm. And I was like eight, nine, you know, I Ooh, was, I was yeah. a kid. And so it kind of set up this thing for me where I was her emotional support yeah. child. Um, and she always told the narrative of, well, you know, since you were a baby, you wouldn't let me feed you. Like I've never spoon fed you. You grabbed it from me. You fed myself yourself. You're so independent. And so it's almost like my mom projected this onto me, hmm. whether or not it was my nature or not, it became my nature because that's what she told me I was like, yeah. your brother is special. He needs more help. Mm -hmm. And it would be like, well, she's fine. She's up in her room or she knows how to make her own meals or she knows how to do her own laundry. And then parental time was spent you know, discussing her marital problems, Ooh, her yeah. this or that, and not like my bullshit. Um, and I was scolded for if I got below a B plus, I was grounded till the next report card. Like that was what it was. Wow. Um, and so it was these metrics. I got a lot of pressure for, you know, not having friends or being popular or being a cheerleader or being a straight A student or any. So I was punished for the things that I didn't achieve, but no one was helping me achieve that or help like teaching me how to be a person. Mm. You know what I mean? 
Um, and I do see that difference in my friends who grew up and, you know, graduated high school, went into college, did med school, whatever, that just, they did the things right. It's because they had a parent there mm. nurturing them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and instead of like my situation was kind of like, you are here to listen to me. You are also expected to achieve great things. You will be chastised if you don't. And like, that was it. There was no guidance. <laughs> I yeah. had very little guidance. And so I don't really know how to reach out to people for help. I hate being vulnerable. Like it makes me nauseous. And it's why I very rarely advocate for myself within relationships because like, I really don't know how to say, I need your help. I need this or that. And then the times that I have and been rejected for it makes me then feel foolish for being vulnerable. Hmm. So it's kind of like, I just, I am very much this avoidant attachment style because why, why depend on anybody? They could leave you. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, uh, my childhood was more, uh, my, I had a very nurturing mother. Like my mom was very, uh, motherly <laughs> in a good way, but her personal life was always a mess. It was mm -hmm. always total chaos. And, uh, like her, like, like she left my dad. Um, <laughs> literally my dad came home from work one day and the entire house was, had been moved out. Like she hired movers and like, no, like, yeah, he had no idea. And there was a note like on the mantelpiece, you know, on the, you know, it said like, uh, dear John, <laughs> like we don't live here anymore, you know? And, um, and then she married another guy and divorced him and then married another guy and moved us to a different state and divorced him. And I went to three different high schools and two different junior highs and multiple elementary schools. So there was always just like a lot of, a lot of chaos going on. And I think that definitely for me had a, like a, a resonating effect where I was like, I sort of grew up just subconsciously thinking like, yeah, relationships don't work. Like they don't, you can't have a relationship with somebody. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Like, you know, and somehow my sister, like, I don't know how she did it, but she was like, I'm going to meet a guy and marry him and like have a totally normal life and stay married and, and have kids. And she has done that really well. And I'm, I'm sort of amazed by it. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how, how she pulled that off. I think for her, it was one of those things where it's like, there's people that they grew up a certain way. Like people that was people that grew up in poverty and they're like, I'm never going to be poor. Yeah. And they grow up and they become rich. That was like, my sister was like, I'm never going to live my life like this. Yeah. And she didn't like, she did the opposite. And for me, it was just sort of like, I grew up as a kid, honestly thinking there was never anything wrong. Like, even though we had this really chaotic childhood, as a kid, I never thought it was chaotic. Mm. It's only as an adult, like, years later, where I look back and, like, oh, my God, my childhood was total chaos. Yeah. But, I, but, like, when as a kid, I was like, oh, everything's fine. It was like, what's the big deal? Because for me, it was like, well, my mom cooks dinner every night, so, like, what do I care? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> but you don't realize the effect all this stuff is having on you, you know, until you, it's too late, almost. You know? Well, yeah, and <laughs> then it, I definitely, like, I never wanted to be a parent. I never wanted wanted to be married mm -hmm. because it just seemed really chaotic and stressful. Yeah. And I didn't, I think I didn't know because I never saw healthy relationships modeled for right. me. Right. And so I, I don't know if I even believe it now. I, I don't, I didn't believe that people could like have peace. Like to me, it was like, Oh yeah. If you share a house with someone, there's gonna be yelling and screaming and crying every day. Mm. Every, and then if you have kids that there's more, 
mouths and eyeballs to yell and cry. Like, yeah. And so it never was something that I wanted for myself because it seemed so negative. Um, and, and, you know, statistics are kind of on our side. But we were children <laughs> of the 80s right. when there was the divorce boom, when yeah, women absolutely. entered the workforce and then could afford to leave their husbands. Um, divorce rates are way down now because people don't get married for money or stability. They have careers usually and then get married. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so, yeah, we grew up surrounded by divorce. So like, why would I, I like whatever people talk about relationships as though they are a for, forever thing. I just think they're idiots. So do I. Yeah. I'm like, you know, um, I, I had a job in my 20s where I used to. Uh, drive for weddings all the time. I drove these uh, trolley buses and people would rent them for weddings. Literally like every summer in, or every weekend in the summertime in Chicago, I was driving a wedding for four years, for like four straight summers. And so I've probably been at or participated in like 200 weddings, you know? Yeah. And my entire... I mean, I was friendly and polite as a driver, but my entire internal monologue was like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> like, this, yeah. like, this isn't going to work. What do you, how much money did you spend on this stupid affair? Like, what are you, a moron? <laughs> like, but statistically, I'm right because 50% of those weddings yeah. are, are now over, you know? So, uh, yeah, but. it just, um, here, let's look up um, what are signs. Signs you might have an avoidant attachment style. If you persistently avoid physical or emotional intimacy, if you feel a strong sense of independence, uh, oh, this one's going to cut close to home for me. If you are uncomfortable expressing your feelings, <laughs> um, are dismissive of others, have a hard time trusting people. I also feel like that's an, like, again, this is another example. My boyfriend, his family, they are so nice. Yeah. They are nice people. I, they are, they trust people when they say things. And it makes me think that the whole family is in it, are idiots. Because I'm like, you, that person said that with their mouth and you believed it? Like, right. fucking idiot. Because, yeah, I don't, I do have a hard time trusting people, but I think that's smart. Um, yeah. I, well, I just, I can catch a read on people. Yeah. And so, because um, then things will come back where someone will show their true colors or whatever. And, like, my boyfriend or sister or their mom will be like, can you believe this? I'm like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You and I are similar that way. And I like, there was a, I had a boss a few years ago that, um, he was really, he really rose fast in the corporation that I work for. And he ended up becoming like a manager and then a director and then a vice president really fast. And from day one, I was like, this guy's a snake, man. He's a piece of shit, you know, mm -hmm. like, and everyone was like, loved him. And it turned out, you know, it took like four years for everybody to figure out like, oh, this guy's a piece of shit, you know, and they basically forced him out of the, out of the cup, like forced him to quit, you know? And I'm like, are you guys just stupid? Like, how was I the only one that could immediately be like, this guy's a snake, you know? Like, I don't know. Sometimes it's, <laughs> I, what a, cause I do have an ability to read people mm. and it's happened not to toot my own horn, but it's happened many times where someone in my life will, you know, introduce me to someone and I'll be like, I don't know. And I'll kind of give them an assessment. Yeah. And then when that comes to fruition or proves itself to be true, they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, because, well. Because I have eyes? Because I, I have know. eyes yeah. and ears. But also I'm, I'm able to like perceive subtext. Yeah. Which I always talk about Mad Men and how it's my favorite show and how there's so much in the subtext of that show. Right. So it moves slowly. There's subtleties and glances and staging and stuff. 
And so maybe it's other people are just listening to the exposition coming out of the person and they aren't reading the subtext. And so therefore they're missing this huge chunk of who this person is. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, people are idiots. Um, I, my favorite movie is the Godfather one and two, which again, there's a lot of subtext. there. There's a lot of like, you know, in fact, you know, it's like they, uh, if you know the history of that movie, whoops, coaster down. But the producers of that movie, they they kept wanting to fire um, Al Pacino because they thought, like, he wasn't doing a good job when they mm-hmm. were watching, like, the dailies, you know? And it was just that, well, he was actually acting. Like, yeah. he, like, he was, there was a lot of subtext to Michael Corleone. Like, the character doesn't, like, wear his emotions on his sleeve. Like, he's very... He Which is what makes yeah. him interesting, right? Exactly, if yeah. If <laughs> you have this guy who comes back from the military and he's yeah. kind of been a straight arrow, but he's got to take over the family business. And there's a lot in his, like, personal growth, and that's what makes those yeah. two movies... Let's not talk about the third one. No. But, like, that <laughs> is what makes those movies good is this subtext, this subtle shift in who he is. Yeah. You're watching a person lose his soul, basically. Yeah. yeah. But um, if you just are looking for, like, yelling and guns, like... Yeah, that's now, like, Transformers or whatever current current movies they are now, where it's all just in your face, or I don't understand, (laughs) you know? It is. I I know that some good stuff comes out still, but it doesn't seem like as much. I do want to see Oppenheimer. I mean, I have... I heard that was good. Yeah, Yeah. I heard that, too. I heard that was good. So, um... What was oh okay I'll continue attachment styles yes okay well I'll consider I'll continue with the avoidant okay so you have a hard time trusting people you feel threatened by anyone who tries to get close to you mm, yes <laughs> does that ever does do you experience that uh, I feel for me because I have more like the fearful avoidant it's I don't feel threatened I feel very afraid uh, my th- whole thing is that like whenever I get close to someone or in a relationship I'm waiting for them to like dump me mm. so i just want to dump them like i just want to like break break it off oh i'm just like they're gonna realize that i'm not as interesting as they thought i was yeah and then so i'm just like i just need to break it off you know and so i'll kind of like ruin things in the honeymoon phase and they're totally sur- shocked and surprised you know yeah. as to why i did that so. i guess that i'm never i'm never afraid that someone's gonna dump me well, you um, don't have to be. <laughs> I don't, that is true. The thing about like having like tits is you can just like show your tits and pretty much any personality yeah. flaw, it you can slide by with that. But um, yeah. I do feel like people, I'm like, you don't actually like me. You like the idea of me. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's you how I feel too. Yeah. Because I, I, especially when you are someone who has depression and people see your public persona that might be boisterous yeah. and personable. And then it's like, oh, this is not what it's like. Like, you are seeing the 10% of the time that I'm this way. And the fact, because I have always, I've had like, men get that manic pixie dream girl thing with me because yeah. it's like, oh, she dresses in bright colors, she's an artist, blah, blah, blah. And so if they're stuck in a boring relationship, marriage, whatever, they fantasize about me because they think, mm. oh, this girl, she's going to light up my life. She's like, right. m- like men, men with like depression and boredom love me because they think I'm going to light mm. up their life. And I'm like, dude, I barely got enough spark to keep myself glo- going. I am not going to be yeah. your cheerleader. I am like, 
most of the time I'm going to be stoned on my couch watching Mm -hmm. documentaries, like just pretending that the world outside does not exist. Like I am. (laughs) And so that's kind of the thing is, but that seems rational to me, honestly, to be like, you don't want to get to know me. Well, I'm exactly the same way in that I'm like always the fun guy at work. And I'm very like, because for me, like, being making dumb, crazy jokes and it's, like and yeah. like singing Michael McDonald songs at work is the only way that I can cope with reality mm-hmm. because I'm mm-hmm. like the world sucks, like everything sucks, like it sucks to be alive. So the only way that I can handle it is yeah. to just be the weirdo. And it's funny because in my job in my department, like I travel quite a bit, and sometimes people who like women that I work with who don't travel as much will occasionally go on trips with me, mm-hmm. and it's really funny to see them because. They're like, oh, I can't wait to travel with you. It's going to be so much fun. And we'll go to Vegas for like a trade show. And when the work is done, they'll be like, what are you going to do now? Like, And I'm like, go to my room and go to bed. Yeah. And their, their face just falls. Like, what? Like, you're going to go, are we going to go out? And I'm like, you can if you want to. I'm going to go to bed. And they're like, it's eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. <laughs> and I talked all day and had to be this personality all day long. So yeah, I'm going to go to my room and like lay in the bed and watch whatever shitty cable. Yeah. I'm going to watch that show where it's like the people that are work on the yachts. I always watch oh, that show. Below and I, deck. Yeah. I watch that. And then I like order room service and I go to sleep at nine o'clock. Yep. <laughs> so, and it just, they, they don't understand, but that's how I am in relationships too. Like I'm not fun in relationships. Oh, I'm <laughs> not, definitely not fun to be in. A re- I remember once, like I started dating a customer at my bar. I worked at this little neighborhood, um, like cocktail house. And you know, I was, the exotic one there because I had pink hair and this or that. And when I started dating this guy, his friends were like, dude, what's it like dating the hot bartender? Like that must be wild. (laughs) And he's like, well, last night was Friday night. We went to target and bought a new puzzle (laughs) and we came home and put on a podcast and did the puzzle. Like, yeah, yeah. sounds like paradise. That is what you are fucking getting (laughs) from me. I, if you say, let's go to a new restaurant, I'll say we have food at home. I just am not that interesting to be in a relationship with. I don't really enjoy most activities with most people. I don't want to go to happy hour with your friends. Mm. I, you know what I mean? I just, I pretty much want to read and watch documentaries or exercise Mm. or do like my little outdoor things, my, you know, my paddling and whatnot. Go on a hike. Go on a hike. But yeah, I'm not, I, it, I am not the life of the party. Yeah, I think it's just that, you know, people don't understand, if, especially if you're already, like, an extroverted person. Because I always describe myself as an introvert who pretends to be yes. an extrovert. Like, I'm basically, like, my work life is extroverted because I have to be. Mm-hmm. I'm in sales, and so, and I travel, and I, you know, basically, like, put on a show, you know. But when that's over, I'm like... I have to recharge. Like I have to go be alone. You know, I have to go either come home and sit on my couch with my cat and mm-hmm. watch interesting YouTube videos that most people probably find really boring. Or if I'm traveling, then I just go back to my hotel room. I don't want to go out to dinner. I don't want to go out for drinks. Like, no, you know, I'm forced to a lot because I literally yeah. have to, it's part of my job. Like, well, we got to go to dinner, you know? And I'm like, okay, but I'll be the quietest one. People are just like, 
I just sit there, I order my food, and then I look at my phone yep. while everyone talks, and then I eat my food, and then I'm like the first one who's like, are we done? Are we done? Yeah. You know? done? And people are like, they get kind of mad. They're just like, oh, Scott's already ready to call it a night. I'm like, yep, I sure am. Yeah, I sure am, because it's <laughs> yeah. been a day. Yeah. And um, like, my time clock is all off because we're you know on the East Coast, and it's like, I don't have time for this shit. Like, I want to yeah. go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I've always said it's good for me that I have a social profession, both bartending and now teaching, because if I didn't, if I wasn't forced to be that character in public for work, I probably wouldn't be as socially developed as I am. Oh, yes. Yeah, like, if I same. hadn't started bartending at 20, I would not have developed the ability to, like, talk to anybody. And if I didn't have to leave my house to interact with people, I wouldn't, and I would get real weird. And I yeah. know that about myself. So it's like, as much as I would love to have some sort of remote job where I could live in a smaller town, mm. it would not be healthy for me. Same. Yeah. During COVID, when I worked from home for like four months, I was kind of losing it. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm not really... And the phone wasn't really ringing, so I wasn't doing a lot of... There was really no interaction. Yeah. And at first, I was really happy with that. But after a while, I was like, okay, this is... Like, I need some. Yeah. I got to have some. And yeah. I don't have that in me, not since I quit drinking, to just, like, go out. Like, I, when I drink, I, I would sometimes go out by myself or I'd call people to go out or whatever. Yeah. And But Sober Sydney just, like, isn't that way. And so it's like I need to be like oh you have to be at this place at this time and you can interact with people and I'm a little more comfortable interacting with people in a work capacity because I am playing a role so maybe mm -hmm. that goes with more of my like avoidant attachment style where I'm like yeah. oh you can interact with Pilates teacher Sydney or you can interact with bartender Sydney but just Sydney on her own does not really know how to interact with you <laughs> yeah and that's why it makes dating so hard for me is that when I tend to meet a woman it's like I'm in kind of like boisterous Scott, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they think like, oh, there was a time, okay, case in point, I was at your bar mm -hmm. and I happened to meet a young lady who was there by herself mm -hmm. and your boyfriend was there too, bartending oh. at the time. And, uh, I like was being like funny and whatever, because really I was talking to, to you and I was talking to the, uh, oh, I don't know if you were there. Were you there? I don't, I don't know. know. I was talking to, I think your boyfriend was, was working. Probably. I was talking to him and, um, Anyway, this chick who was visiting Phoenix from somewhere. Oh, I was there. I yeah. think I was there. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. she was like, oh, this guy's really fun. And then she was like, do you want to go out with me somewhere else, like to another bar? And I was all like, oh, I guess. Because <laughs> it was already like getting on 9 o'clock. And I'm mm -hmm. all like, oh, I, I guess we could do that. So anyway, I ended up like hanging out with her through the weekend because that was a, a Friday night that I met her. But uh, I think she really quickly was like, this guy is super boring. <laughs> like I was not the yeah. interesting, fun character that I was at your bar because that was just like, ah, oh, it's Friday. I just got off work. I just want to blow off some steam with people that I know that work at this bar and then I'm going to be done. And I wasn't really fully prepared to like continue to be happy Scott at that time. And maybe so. that's why I think we just kind of cracked the code. I, I've always said I love a weekend boyfriend. <laughs> so like I right. have a history of meeting somebody who's in town and it's like, oh, you want to, like, like they'll come into one of my jobs and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to this thing that you want to come. I'm like, cool. And, like, we'll hang out for a weekend. I'm totally comfortable doing that yeah. because I know it's not real. Right. 
they don't live here. It's not going anywhere. And I, I can be fun for three days. Like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And all your friends, they're going to this place afterwards and meeting up. Sure. Mm. I can do that for a weekend. Yeah. And then I can do it six months for another week, six months from now for another weekend. But the, the idea of someone who thinks I'm that person on a regular basis, it's like, oh, no, that is not what's it's happening. Um, okay, let me go back to more signs you have an avoidant relationship style. Um, okay, un, uh, spend more time alone than interacting with others. We just discussed that. Definitely. Believe you don't need others in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have too many people in my life already. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, I always think about it. I'm like, dude, if I was just able to stay in a relationship, my life would be easier. Because well, you're in one now. I, mean. I know, but I'm talking about people who are able to commit and have a dual income household. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those people. Right. That is would be a lot easier. Yeah. Those people have a lot more financial freedom yes. than you and I have. Yeah. And so sometimes I'm like, God, if I could just fucking buckle up <laughs> and commit to Strap a in. person, <laughs> um, think my life would be more comfortable. But for me, I would rather be financially disadvantaged than have like for me, it's easier to work with a tight budget. <laughs> than to deal with the suffocating feeling that comes from cohabitating or having to discuss or negotiate things with another person. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I would rather be down to my last ten, my last ten dollars than like have to call someone to tell them, oh honey, I'm coming home from work. Can I get you anything? Or like, mm. it's your turn to pick up the this or that. Like, I don't know why to me that sounds so hard and difficult. Like, it's, but I would, I would rather. Well, I, I agree because like, okay, I pay someone to clean my house twice a month. Mm-hmm. And I also pay people to uh, feed my cat when I'm yeah. on like frequent business trips, like to feed the cat and like uh, change the litter and all that. And I, I, and there was a time where I was dating this girl like four years ago mm. and she was pretty much living here. Uh, and she was like a cat person. So she loved my cat and she would stay here when I was gone and she would clean the house and she would feed Jasmine and take care of the, you know, everything relating to her. And I was kind of like, but I could not get out of that relationship fast enough. Like I was just like, I got to get out of this. And yet when I think about it, I'm like, dude, if I just had like a girlfriend or a wife, like I wouldn't have to pay someone to take care of my cat when I'm gone. And like, I could easily split the chores with another person. Like it's easy. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying like, Oh, if I had a wife, she would clean my house. I don't not. I just mean that it's hard when you're traveling all the time to also clean your house and do laundry and everything else. Yeah. Everything else. Yeah. It's a lot. So it's like, yeah, it would be so much easier, you know, but again, it's like, well, God, if someone living here, like, Oh, and the way I've always been is I've always just wanted to be wealthy enough to pay somebody to do those. hundred percent. Yeah. And, Honestly, if I were wealthy enough that I could afford a Richard Gere, American gigolo type mm-hmm. prostitute, mm-hmm. do you think that I would date? I would not <laughs> be dating. <laughs> right. Are you fucking kidding me? If I could pay somebody to clean my house, um, uh, someone else to do my laundry, and then twice a month I can have Richard Gere come over and lay it down, <laughs> and then I'm free, I'm my own woman the rest of the time, that would be ideal. 
And I, a hundred percent, like my life when this I, why, this is why so many men like retire to Thailand and the Philippines yeah. for that exact life. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> I get it. It is, <laughs> it is the way. Yeah. Um, but like my life when I lived with Zach was a lot easier, even though he is a very lazy person. Mm. I don't like to disparage my ex on me. <laughs> um, but like my life with him was good just because like you said, I had someone home with my dogs while I worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like such a relief to just have that, you know. Honestly, just and have someone to split the expenses, yeah. or like I, I had like a three thousand dollar car bill, and he was mm. able to help me out, and I could yeah. pay him back. Like that sort of stuff is really nice, um, but for me, the juice ain't worth the squeeze when it comes yeah. to now I have this person in my life, and then they have expect expectations of me, which that's another thing. I hate when someone has expectations of me. Yes. I don't know why that feels really suffocating. It is awful. It's it's uh, it's kind of like the uh, it's like the obligation to go to work is worse than going to work. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's how it feels. You know, like it like on Sunday night, I can feel like absolute like I'm I hate the world, and then mm-hmm. I go to work, and it's actually a really decent Monday, and I'm like that wasn't bad at all. But it's the ex- just like someone having expectations of you, yes. and it's like I might have done this thing anyway, like empty the garbage or whatever. But the fact that you expect me to do it infuriates me. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, it's kind of like people you dread exercising. And then when you do it, you're like, that wasn't bad. That felt good. Exactly. Um, but yeah, just the idea that this, I'm going to come home and this person's going to ask me about my day and I don't really, my day was boring. I don't want to talk about it. Or this person has a work event. So I, I have to get dressed up and go to it with them. Mm. And like something about that. I don't know. The parents. Oh, (laughs) God, I don't, it's, and, and the thing is, none of those things are bad. Yeah. But I don't want to do it. And I don't want to be like, yeah, I don't want to be obligated to do it. Um, and so having someone, I don't know, it, it ain't my thing. Let me go back to this list. This is going to end up being a podcast just about avoidant attachment styles. I, well, I think for me too, there's a lot of fear involved because, uh, like I watched my mom like leave so many men. Like she mm-hmm. left all her husbands and she went through a string of boyfriends that I think I just always feel like any woman is going to leave me because that's a, what I, that's what I saw oh, happen. Oh, that's interesting. I'm just, I'm by the way, just now deciphering this right now as we speak. So like Dude. this is just coming into my head. So this is great therapy, you know, where I just, that's what I always feel like unconsciously is like any woman is going to leave me because my model for what women do is, is, is your mother. Yeah. It's like, Oh, they, they leave, you know? <laughs> I wonder if, that has something to do with it but i honestly think i'm more fearful of someone staying with me than leaving me well yeah because well you're more classic avoidant yeah i'm, I'm the fearful avoidant but yeah i think I'll, i think a lot of that stems from the way i grew up and what i saw happen i think yeah and i have trouble with acceptance in life so the idea and i think most people do you know how they they say um most people think that in the future they're going to make more money or mm. they're going to do this. And so it's hard sometimes for insurance agency agents to sell policies because people think I'm not going to get sick. Yeah. My spouse isn't going to die or whatever. And so I have trouble. Ex- I, I think the opposite. I'm just like, everything's going to get worse. Like, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I have trouble like accepting that things aren't going to get better. And so like for me, the idea of like, Oh, I'm going to commit to live. This is why I I never bought a home. Mm. And I, you know, I was on a month to month lease for eight years and stuff like that is that 
the idea of committing. So like yeah. signing a lease and going, oh, in a, a year from now, I'm going to be in the exact same position I am now. That mm. terrifies me. Yeah. Because if this is all that life is, is like working all the time and my feet hurt and I'm tired and you know what I mean? I don't want to believe that to be true. And that extends into relationships where I'm going to, I'm going to come home to the same person for the rest of my life. Mm, yeah. That sounds depressing. Even if they're the best person in the world, I don't know. It's a tough sell. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason why traditionally, um, you know, in like really traditional society or even traditional American society going back to, I don't know, like the 40s or something. It was like, you know, the parents were like, let's get these kids married off ASAP because it's more like before you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, take, take a couple 20 year olds who are horny anyway, you know, put them together. They're going to be eager to fuck, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and then pretty soon they've got babies and before they know it, like, Oh, this is your life now. Yeah. You know, like we sure, we sure got you good, you know? <laughs> but I think that's honestly like the way you have to do it because when you do examine it, like as a rational person, yeah, it does look like, Oh, that's a terrible idea. Like I just, this one person all the time, like God, yeah, I don't, I don't have a single friend that I want to hang out with all the time. Like, let alone, like live with a partner. You right. Know? So yeah, it's a nightmare. And yeah. <clears throat> the idea that like when I moved back to Phoenix, which was in 2010, I did not think I was going to be here 13 years later. Like, and so yeah. the idea that like, yeah, that I'm just going to be standing still doesn't, that's why I want to live on a boat or in a bus. Like I just, mm. in my mind, I want to always be on the move. So yeah. standing still, and with another person sounds so tedious. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So how does this manifest in relationships? Anxious, avoidant, attached adults may tend to navigate relationships at an arm's length, says Peoples. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I these are, I love a, like a, a one-sided relationship <laughs> where I crush on someone from, from afar, whether it be mm. a college professor, <laughs> a married man, someone who lives out of state, like if there is zero chance that we will ever get together, yeah, I will have a full-fledged emotional affair with you in my head. Like yeah, I that, did that is 100%. So I do I love a good arm's length. Yeah. Um especially like if they live out of state and so they only come into town from time to time and that way it doesn't affect my life at all, really. That is a, that's a very specific type of relationship. Well, I've had it with more than one person where it's like, oh, you're in Phoenix for business every six weeks. Perfect. Mm. You live a mile from me? No, thank you. <laughs> um, okay. The need for emotional intimacy is simply lacking in this type of individual. So romantic relationships are not able to reach any level of depth. Oh, that's it. The need for emotional intimacy is simply lacking. Hmm. Do you feel that you have a need for emotional intimacy, but you avoid it out of fear? Or do you think that you don't have a need? For I do. I think I would like more emotional intimacy than I used to. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also feel like uh, there are times, and I, this might be just more like a, like a kind of a different topic, but like the way that, women and men kind of misunderstand each other is that like whenever I share something with like a girlfriend, like something about myself, you know, my fears, whatever, like they, they kind of like throw it in my face later. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, okay, that was shitty, you know? So then, uh, 
but yet, you know, you hear like, I'll, you know, women talk about like, I wish men would be like more open and with their feelings. I'm like, yeah, except that you don't, you know, except that you don't because you're going to turn around and what yeah. do they call it? Gunny sacking when you wait till a big argument and yes. you got that bag full yeah. of stuff to dump on people and I never do that to people and I think that it's really gross that people do that to me I yeah, yeah I so. I don't think I do it either I mean I can't remember the last time I've had an argument with a partner so because I'm avoidant of those um well yeah I certainly <laughs> but yeah there honestly there's no greater hurt to me than being a person who isn't good at being vulnerable and then being vulnerable with someone and having them reject you. And I, you know, I have that friend who I was really close to and we were like besties, wifeys traveled together really close. And, um, with when I was really, really sick and then I couldn't get my surgery and then the shutdown happened and Mm. we weren't going to get benefits through my work. And I just, I was so sick and scared and hopeless and suicidal. And um, I wasn't showing that to anybody, but Zach, because he lived with me and God bless him, he listened to me through all of that. Um, But then this friend, you know, when I kind of laid it out on the line, like I'm scared, I'm depressed. Mm. Like, I I just don't know. Um, And she was like, life's hard for everyone. Basically, (laughs) was like the answer. And I was like, that's pretty awful. Literally, you don't have to fix my problems. I'm not asking you to, but like that was really hard for me and it ended up making me like just end the friendship because I am not a vulnerable person. Yeah. And I really poured my heart out to her and to have it met with that. And not that I expect mm. any everyone to know how to handle it when you haven't dealt with someone close to you going through an illness or a crisis. I don't expect you to know everything to say or do, but like one of my other friends, my friend Darlene, um, she was like, she, what I kind of gave her a rundown of what I was going through at that time. And you know what she said? She goes, I'm really sorry this is happening to you. And that's all I needed to hear. Yeah, that's the appropriate response. Literally, (laughs) you don't have to fix shit. You don't have to hold me while I cry. But just to feel like really seen, like, Mm. dude, that sucks. And I am so sorry that you are going through this. I think also that if you're any kind of a decent person, like, it's really easy to, like, even fake those kind of, you know, it's like sometimes you hear about things that happen or there's people that you don't really give a shit about that are <laughs> that tell you their problems. And it's like, I don't really care about you, but because I'm a decent person, I'm going to be like, man, that's awful. That's I'm, awful. So, I'm so sorry. Oh, you know what shit. I mean? Like, it's really easy to do that, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's you don't have to dig too deep to just be a decent person. Uh, so that that is terrible. Yeah, that a friend would do that. That a friend you. would. Yeah. And so then it, it kind yeah. of reinforces my uh, avoidance of vulnerability. Yeah. Um. I, when I was a kid and this is such a core memory and it's so, it's so not a big deal, but it it did affect me deeply. My family got a computer and, uh, you know, like much like most families that you, the computer was in the living room and it was, Mm, and we had like MS word and I started a diary on it Mm. and I wasn't thinking it was 1992 or something, (laughs) but I wasn't thinking like my family could see this and my, my brother 
found it and called my parents in and they all read my diary. Oh my God. Jeez. And like made yeah. fun of it. And it was, I played guitar and I wanted to be Jewel so badly. Like <laughs> I was obsessed with yeah. Jewel and Lisa Loeb and that sort of thing. And so Two I of my would, favorite artists from the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, by the time I turned, I knew that Jewel had started playing like when she was 13 in coffee houses. And yeah. I was like, I want to be good enough to play in coffee houses by the time I'm 13 or whatever. And so I was, I was that age and, um, whatever age I had said, and they were like, well, you, they're all laughing. They're all, you really let yourself down. Like, Jesus and just Christ, everything man. that I had written in this little diary, they made fun of me for. And it like that really sucked because yeah, it just makes you feel like you shouldn't, expose your truth or express yourself like why talk about something if because if you don't achieve why why express your goals because if they don't happen you'll be mocked why Mm. you know um and so I think like that's it's definitely part of my avoidant attachment style is because having not grown up being able to express myself and then a few times that I have and it wasn't met well, I took that too deeply mm, yeah. instead of being like, dude, that she's a fucking bitch or like, who cares? Mm. You know, I just was like, well, don't fucking pour your heart out to anybody. Mm. Cause they're gonna, you know, don't show that you could possibly be vulnerable. Right. Uh, don't, don't express that in any way, shape or form. Cause it's going to bite you in the butt or people will take advantage of you. So um, I like how we're really unearthing the trauma here in, we, our, in yeah. our lives. <laughs> well, we are because both you and I are very similar in that, like, we mm. don't, the marriage kid thing is not for us. Um, but also we sometimes self-sabotage. Mm, yes. And like when you're a friend of someone, that's always like the angriest you get at them is you're like, why are you, why are you fucking things up for yourself? Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I fuck things up for myself like all the time. Same I just, the minute I achieve any goal, I'm fucking over it. Yeah. Like <laughs> the minute, like I just, I just am incapable of making a good decision and standing by it. Um, but yeah, it probably is because of, of all these things. Um, <clears throat> okay. Did I finish this? Uh, okay. Oh, while they, for this is, we're still an avoidant and we're sticking with it. Cause this is almost an hour. Um, okay. The need, wait, no, while they allow romantic partners to engage with them, they avoid getting emotionally close. Mm. A partner may feel as if they can never get inside and inevitably will be stonewalled or dismissed when the relationship feels too serious for the avoidant partner hmm yeah that sounds like you yeah (laughs) from what i from what i've seen over the years (laughs) yeah i mean i think too that i do pick possibly inappropriate partners Hmm. um when we met i was in a relationship with someone who was really mentally ill and um because of that was a abusive and like turned me into a crazy person, which I discussed a little bit on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard episode. Mm, yeah. Well, also like he had a child and I have no desire to ever have a child. Right. Which I'm doing the exact same right now. Exact same <laughs> thing right now as well. Um, so I think that I do sometimes pick people who are inappropriate 
because that way there there is something that's very clear standing in the way between mm. me committing to them. So I uh, have an yes. excuse. Yeah, like makes sense. People always ask, why don't you live with your boyfriend? And I'm like, well, he has kids and I don't want kids. And I don't want to... And, yeah. and I don't want to build a relationship with his kids to inevitably leave because I, I could not possibly conceive of, oh, we're going to stay together forever. Hmm. Like that, my brain will not accept that because it doesn't accept that relationships last forever. Right. Which again, statistically true. Hmm. So for me, I go, why would I, why, why would I let his children get to know me or become attached to me when I'm ephemeral? <laughs> I could disappear on a whim. You know what I mean? Um, that sort of thing. So I think it is, I do pick partners who for one reason or another, there's, there's a roadblock that keeps it from reaching that level. Like I'll never understand a fucking joint bank account. So, <laughs> like I will never fucking understand that. I didn't understand people who combine finances, like, and that sort of thing. And so I'm like, no, I want a motherfucker who there is a very clear reason to, to intercept before it ever gets to a cohabitation or co-finance or any mm. sort of position. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that. I mean, I can't really think of anyone that would want to share their finances with me. So well, yeah. Who, <laughs> who would want to share finances? With I mean, <laughs> it likes, no, it does like, does not matter how many raises I get over the years. Like somehow I just managed to, just be broke and not save money all the time. I'm like, how do I keep doing this to myself? <laughs> it's not, well, it's not us. It's inflation. That's, yeah. the, that's the trickiest thing about inflation is like, you see your pay get higher, but your quality of living goes down. And so you assume it must be some fault of your own. Yeah. When the fact is it's just your income is not increasing with the rate of inflation. So even if your income increased at the rate of inflation, you would be the same level of poor. Yeah. But it actually is like for most people lately, like it's below, it's below. And, but, but you feel like, Oh, I'm making X number of dollars, which is way more than I used to make. So why am I more poor? Because it's hard to like go literally everything has increased more at a higher percentage than my income. Yeah. It's, it's much easier. Well, if you're me, it's much easier to self blame. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I do that all the time. I constantly, I've been blaming myself all week. Uh, and, but I'm starting to come around yeah. because uh, there's a lot of, uh, YouTube and TikTok videos out there of people like expressing their, uh, frustration with inflation and, and yeah. being broke. And then you watch a few of those. You're like, oh, I'm not alone. No. Right, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm literally trying to buy a condo in the second worst neighborhood in the state of Florida. Sweet. Because it is within <laughs> my budget and it's crazy to think like, well, just when you accept living within your means and then you look at what that is and mm. it's incredibly depressing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, if I live within my means, I am living in someone's storage shed behind their <laughs> house and they have like run an electric cord out there. So I have air conditioning. Like that's what living within my means looks like. And I definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was having lunch with a friend yesterday and I said, I did find this, uh, pretty cool house in my price range on Zillow was mm -hmm. I'm thinking about, you know, I want to eventually have a house, a detached yeah. house instead of a condo. And I showed her a picture of a tent. <laughs> you know, and she was like, Oh, <laughs> and she's a, 
She's European. She's an immigrant, so actually is very good with money. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about how like uh, somehow like the immigrants are amazing with with saving. And, I don't know they do better than than Native Americans. They seem to you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, "Oh, Scott, that's so funny." But I was hoping that you really did find the house. <laughs> I was like, "No, <laughs> no." But it's it's also not. I mean, listen, it's not geared for us to be able to achieve. My mom sent me this ad that was from. Like the 60s for one of those Sears and Robux houses that you ordered mm, yeah, and built. Yeah. And it was like $7,000. And wow. she's like, can you imagine? And I was like, well, adjusted for inflation, that house would be 80. It was a three-bedroom ranch house. I go, mm. adjusted for inflation, that would only be $80,000. And she's like, well, that must be wrong because you couldn't buy a house like that for $80,000 these days. I go, exactly. 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 Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that house today is four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is why people can't buy houses. Because right. if houses were eighty thousand dollars, which is what they were when you were young, right? Then I could buy a fucking house. The fact that my MLS listings that I get from my real estate agent for Phoenix, from when I was buying, trying to buy a condo two years ago. I get like two a day and the only things under $150,000 are trailer homes, Yep. which you can't even afford to live in anyways, because you have a seven or $800 a month lot fee. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's, it is depressing. So it's, it's not, it's not our fault, Scott. Hmm. <laughs> It's the man. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Dillon, his most recent podcast, was talking about some, like, design magazine, wrote this article about how, you know, millennials are skewing simpler. They're scaling down and living more simply. Um, New house builds are 30% smaller than they used to be. A lot of people are foregoing living rooms and bathtubs. And they try to sell it as, like, oh, you know, these people are... Like it's a design choice. Yeah, Yeah, these people are... pursuing simplicity and it's like no people the tiny house movement would not be a thing Mm. if houses were what they used to be in relation to a standard income if yeah if they were affordable yeah Yeah. if a ranch house was eighty thousand dollars um people would not be looking to convert school buses into homes it's only but yeah they try to sell it to us the same thing of the hashtag van life sort of thing it's like well, you're trying to sell it as though it were a choice, but it's not. Right. Like it's a choice of necessity. Yeah. Um, um which This is turning into a whole different topic though. Yeah. <laughs> we but, should but I mean, we should discuss economics in our next <laughs> Yeah. Well, maybe. Or it's just, you know, listen, we're we're alone in our poverty because we're avoidant. That's right. We have, we have, that's exactly what it is. We avoid relationships and savings accounts. (laughs) Amen. Um, So anyways, you guys, uh, take an attachment style quiz, learn something about yourself and maybe you'll find out that your bestie also has similar, um, problems and that's why you're friends. (laughs) Or maybe you'll be one of the rare people that's a secure attachment style. Uh, I don't know them. Those people suck. Yeah, fuck them. (laughs) Happy hump day. Oh, God.